0: Welcome to the Creative Co. Podcast. My name is Anya Mjolnicek. I'm a visual artist, mural maker, installation creator, a waste upcycler, and an all around creative innovator giving nature a voice through my work. In each episode, we cover a theme or bring you a guest that will elevate, inspire, and connect you with your creative purpose, make you understand your business, and align you with truths to take your practice to the next level. But well first, before we dive in, please take a second to leave this podcast a five-star review and hit subscribe so you don't miss a beat. Share with your friends and the creatives in your life that can use these chats. Connect with me on social and let me know if this episode resonated with you, what other topics you would love covered, or what artists you want to hear on the show. Creativity is our birthright. We don't let anyone tell us differently. And where we're concerned, the sky is the limit. You feel me? Let's go. All right, welcome back to the Creative Cove podcast. This is episode seven, and today we're chatting with Harpreet Gill. She is a financial advisor, educator, community leader, and entrepreneur. She has taken her passion for community work and entrepreneurship and combined it with her love of educating people on financial literacy and providing financial solutions. As an individual who grew up in a marginalized community, she noticed the lack of literacy and the barriers to access sound financial resources and advisors. She decided to take the problem in her own hands and bridge the gaps to ensure communities have a trusted individual who's relatable and takes a bottom-up approach to financial planning. She is on a mission to change the lives of everyday individuals and families. It's her goal to revolutionize communities by teaching people how to build and sustain wealth through a holistic community-based approach. As creatives, financial literacy is something we rarely talk about, let alone know or think about or think about how we're even going to save for our retirement or how much. I joined Harpreet's recent webinar and my biggest takeaway was not only her realness delivering information, but also the clarity in which she slipped facts and wake up calls. So with that, elevating everyone around her, I'm super stoked to have her here today. Harpreet, welcome.
1: Thank you, Anya. I really appreciate you having me today.
0: Oh, no. The pleasure is all mine. I'm really excited to be chatting today.
1: Thank you. I'm excited to be talking to you as well.
0: Okay, cool. So I think just first off, who is Harpreet Gill?
1: That's a good question. Um, Who is Harpreet Gill? Harpreet Gill. Um, I'm a daughter to two immigrant parents. I'm an immigrant myself. I came to Canada my mom brought me when I was two years old. And, you know, uh, we resided in Jane and Finch and have been living there ever since uh, still live there currently. Um, My background is heavily revolving around community work. I got involved in um, community work when I was like about 14 years old, I had a lot of, you know, trauma that I faced as a child. And it kind of came out in not such a positive light and my one of my basketball coaches he really encouraged me to go and volunteer at my local community center Oakville Uh, and um, that's when I discovered that giving back and working with young people in particular was my passion and um, I've been working in the community for the last 17 years now and more recently I got involved in financial planning um, due to a a situation and experience that I faced myself. Um, I had gone to the banks uh, five years ago, actually graduated from Ryerson and with a social work degree. And um, I wanted to go to the bank and learn a little bit about business loans. And I wanted to learn about mortgages. um, Because me and my friend, we actually started up a nonprofit organization. And he uh, had his clothing line, Grand Slammers, that I was helping him heavily with. And one of the biggest challenges um, in growing our business was with the fact that we lacked capital and I wanted to learn about business loans and then eventually get into my own home as well. And so when I went to the bank, made an appointment with an advisor, to my surprise, I was turned away maybe in a minute or two and told to come back when I had about $60,000 in my bank account. And at that time, I only had uh, minus 30000 to my name for my student loan debt and I was a little frustrated, not a little frustrated, a lot frustrated because I think I'm so used to just, and I think everybody really is just used to the um, teller experience. We go to the teller for everyday banking, but we never go for advice. And to hear that I had to have at least 60K in my bank account to get resources and information was definitely disheartening. And, you know, thinking about having to save all that up and then also declaring my debt just seemed impossible. And um, maybe like two years after that, I I got involved into financial planning because I seen that there was a huge need in our communities and with so many people lacking financial literacy. And, you know, if the average person needs about $60,000 in their bank account to get access, that means a lot of people are being excluded from financial services and financial education. And so I figured why not mesh whatever I have with my social work skills and pair it with financial planning and take a community-based approach um, to really building people and teaching them how to build wealth and sustain it so we can really make systemic change. Because without money, you know, there's a lot of things we can't do. And unfortunately, it does rule many aspects of our lives. And I figured, why not empower people to take control of their money so that way we can have more fruitful um lifestyles so that's that's essentially me pretty much
0: (laughs) no thank you for sharing that like you just said so many powerful things um i mean the fact that you know you you do start from a holistic community-based approach to empower people so they understand like how their money works and so that they can build it and like you're saying as well money is power and i feel like when we want to actually change or create opportunities um money really helps with that
1: mm, oh, my absolutely gosh, I'm
0: sorry my cat is meowing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's okay that's, that, that's cat number two
0: he wants to play with cat number one that's cat right now. <laughs> um, uh, um but also another great point that you mentioned too it's like i feel like yeah like how we how we go to the teller but we don't actually really seek that advice because sometimes it is so overwhelming when we're dealing with so many factors. We we don't have, you know, enough money saved up or we're dealing with debt. And sometimes I feel like I know personally too, like I I kind of shied away from these conversations or I kind of pushed it aside because I didn't really want to confront all the work that I felt like I really need to start taking myself to Mm -hmm. to yeah, start to really build my wealth or understand like all of the kind of twists and turns that are involved in all of this
1: yeah for sure. and I think one of the cr- the great points that you mentioned is that we get very overwhelmed or discouraged when we leak like, the topic of money or financial literacy comes up because we think we I think the the biggest thing is that people don't like to deal with numbers, you know, like you either have your math people or you have your people who are like creative with their words. And a lot of people that I come across are just like, I'm not good with math and, you know, this is just not for me. I'm not going to get it. And I always have to emphasize, like, I was one of those people who, you know, was not good with math and still am not good with math. But financial literacy really is about the rules of money and understanding those. And I think it's so important that we start having a conversation around this topic because it's been taboo for so long. And I think, you know, especially like with our parents, they were so secretive um, in a sense that they didn't want us to know anything. Um, you know, we're the children; they're the adults. We have our place; they have their place, and. The topic of money was never discussed. The struggles around it was never discussed. And so we continue to perpetuate these cycles over and over again. And we don't realize how detrimental it is um, for, for our futures, right? And so it's so important that we start having these conversations, whether we're struggling with money or we're successful with money, because, you know, without those conversations, it just kind of feels like maybe you're the only person who's stuck in that situation. And we don't realize that almost everybody around us is struggling with money right Mm -hmm. and so it's so important to start having start bringing up those topics and so i'm so glad that you're providing this platform to you know do that
0: no i'm so happy you said that too about like our parents because i one of the things i love that you started with in your webinar is about around mindset and Mm -hmm. i find that so much of money our money mindset really can be influenced by the mindset our parents had around money
1: Yes, absolutely. It's so, so keen. Like you become what you see, right? Whatever Mm -hmm. you see around you um, is what you start to kind of, you know, do yourself. That's why I always tell people your kids are not going to listen to what you tell them. They're going to, they're going to watch and see what you do and follow um, suit, right? So it's, it's important that we start changing the dialogue and for the next generation to come, we do start bringing these conversations into play Uh, so they're better equipped
0: yeah like breaking down the stigma around money (laughs) it shouldn't be this hush hush topic anymore (laughs) because I think it kind of gets us in trouble and like we are really misinformed with a lot of you know the choices that we we can be making or should be making to benefit ourselves so yeah so I'm again I'm so excited to be having this open conversation today with you about all this stuff
1: yes absolutely (laughs) I always get excited (laughs)
0: so my question for you is like were you always savvy with your finances because in your webinar like just the way that you were laying it down I was like this is legit
1: (laughs) so you know what um saving wise yes but that didn't come naturally that was something that was taught to me and that's why you know as you mentioned earlier it's so important to to really start changing these patterns with our parents and 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 that's what kind of like um initially like my habits so I, as you mentioned in my first day I really talk about habits because one of the biggest challenges I face with a lot of the people I, I'm trying to help is that they feel like they can't change their habits and when you start thinking you cannot change your habits then you're you're pretty much doomed you've already set yourself up for failure and I'm so grateful for my mother Um, my father too like they're both really really frugal people Um, you know my parents had five kids with one income and so they really knew how to stretch a dollar right and um, as I as I got uh, my first job when I was 14 and I had to open up a bank account so that way I can deposit my checks um, obviously because I was a minor I had to have my mom sign on that and she didn't even allow me to open up my account on my own. It had to be something where we had a dual account because she wanted to monitor where all my dollars were going. She didn't allow me to have a debit card. Um, if I ever wanted money from my account, I had to give her an explanation. And if she didn't like the explanation that I wasn't getting the money, she would give me $5 a week that I was allowed to pick one day out of the week to pick. Um, to buy lunch I was only allowed to get bus tickets if it was like a, a long distance like in order for me to get to where I needed to get to if it was a 30 minute walk I had to walk so like those little small habits although I you know hated it at the time because I was one of the only people out of the group of my friends working I had the least amount of money out of everybody but you know when you're younger you don't really understand why your parents are making you do certain things and so as I got older I was like oh my gosh I see the difference in my spending habits and and those things that my mom instilled in me when I was a little girl are still the same habits I you know pretty much practice now I carry lunch with me everywhere I you know have a big jug of water because I refuse to buy water I give myself a budget on a weekly basis on you know I can still treat myself but you know one day out of the week I could pick to buy food and things like that and so those habits have helped drastically because sometimes we get caught up in the idea of how much we earn and of course that's important we need to earn good money but how much we keep is so important as well and so I wasn't savvy in a sense that I knew what to do with my money but I was savvy in a sense that I knew how to keep it um, for the most part but then I also had a big heart, you know if people need help, that was my biggest downfall. I felt like I was people's personal banks that I was just loaning up money, so I kind of got stuck in this cycle where I was good with saving, but then I was also terrible at the same time because you know people knew I was good with saving, so I'd be the one that they all always come to me because i they knew I wasn't gonna say no so that's something I had to learn how to balance as I got older. Cause I was just like, if I continue giving away everything, then I'm really not going to get anywhere. So yeah, but I've gotten a lot more savvier obviously in the last few years, as I've learned about how money really works and how to build wealth, because I don't want to be stuck. I don't want to be a slave to somebody for the rest of my life. And so I'm making sure that I'm going to continue to better my habits and really better my education so that way my money is working for me and I'm not working for it
0: hey that's <laughs> you said so many points there. like I feel a lot of people I mean myself included for the longest time I felt like saving was you know the one great thing I could be doing but there's there's so many more steps after saving and I feel when you talk about habits habits can be one of those like cardinal top tips like getting into beneficial habits where you, you do see where you're spending, um, where you have things that you need to spend money on, but where there's things where you can like cut back. Like I loved how you actually mentioned, you know, like Uber eats or taking Ubers a lot. Cause I find that right now it's so easy for us to just kind of frivolously, like just spend money so easily without even thinking about it like amazon it's like you just tap and it sends things your way Mm -hmm. Um, yeah so, so actually like yeah it's starting to discipline ourselves um and really taking like a critical look at what things we're spending on because i think we don't really do those kind of audits um not enough at least like you know maybe we we've done it once at one time at one point in our lives but it's maybe instilling habits where we actually like audit like how much we spent on what or. (laughs) just taking an inventory of where money's going, um, saving it, and then doing other things with it. So with that, what are, okay, well, I'm going to backtrack again. What is real wealth to you? How do you define real wealth? Because I feel like we also, a lot of people wouldn't really know, like, maybe wealth is like having a lot of money, but it's actually so much more than that.
1: Mm -hmm, Absolutely. I'm I'm glad you are bringing this question up, because this is something that I had to unlearn and relearn because, you know, at one point in time, I thought wealth was accumulation of a lot of cash. And as I've gotten more mature and um, immerse myself in more education, I'm really starting to understand the differences between assets and liabilities. Assets is something that helps to improve your net worth, whereas liability decreases your net worth. And um, one thing that I one of my advisors told me when I first uh started getting mentored was harper rich ne- rich people never get rich by using their own money, and I was just like, hmm, what like she didn't explain it, but she said that statement, and that statement has never ever left my head and as I've learned more, I completely understand what real wealth really means real me- wealth is uh, is asset accumulation. Um, most people are liquid, meaning cash poor, asset rich. And um, it's really about building through credit to be able to leverage, to be able to build more. And so, what I really mean by that is that, you know, obviously the school system hasn't done a good job, or any job, as a matter of fact, of teaching us about financial literacy. And so, a lot of us, before we even become full blown adults, um, we are already drowning in so much debt because by the time you graduate high school, you already have your first credit card, you max it out, you put yourself into tremendous amount of debt and the next thing you know, you're stuck in this cycle where you're working just to catch up to pay your bills, to pay your monthly minimum payments. And so that's what I mean by liabilities. We're literally just stuck in this cycle, having to work all the time to to maintain our liabilities. Um, but whereas what credit is really supposed to do is supposed to help you get access to more loans so that way you can use those loans to help you accumulate more assets but what ends up happening is because we're not properly educated and we're not um, we don't really understand what the credit system really means is we use our our credit and we end up purchasing so many liabilities and so before you know it your net worth is just starting to go down you can't get access to better loans your interest rates start to go up so it's really understanding what liabilities are and what assets are so that way when you're using your credit you're build you're using it to build your credit you're using it to be able to get more loans so that way you can use other people's money to at least buy more assets because you know it, it, when it comes to wealth the first big purchase for instance like a home is going to be the hardest part because you are going to need a sufficient amount of capital to have a down payment have your lawyer fees and closing costs and all those kind of things but once you get that first property now let's just say for instance you buy a condo at 400,000 and a couple years later that condo is valued at 600,000, you technically made $200,000 on that that asset where you can take the equity out and start buying more um, assets with that. So your goal is to buy either more businesses or more properties or more land or whatever the case is. And then that helps to build up your asset um, column as opposed to your liability column. Because a lot of us get caught up in thinking that cash is real wealth when in fact it's your credit and your assets combined
0: right on really not having these conversations enough (laughs) so true
1: (laughs) yeah no for sure and and it's crazy because like when we really understand what equity means and we really understand what assets mean we can channel our energy in a much better way and we can really put focus on things that matter the most because a lot of us are out here working 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 end up paying more and more taxes And we're not really understanding what it means to let our money work for us.
0: I find that with, yeah, having money work for us, a Mm -hmm. lot of people have heard this, but I feel a lot of people, we don't investigate this further. Like a good part of like the population doesn't investigate how we can actually make money work for us. And I feel that also comes from some sort of fear that it's like not possible for them or they're going to have to put like additional work to like get this sorted Do you find that that's like a misconception? Like, is it actually like with the right strategies and tools, like you can easily get on track to have money work for you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, you know, what ends up happening is like, when you see a quote or a cliche too often, you just end up saying it. And that's what cliches are, right? You, You say something until it kind of almost like, it's it's, it's almost loses its meaning and you don't do, like you said, further investigation. We all want our money to work for us because we know that once your money works for you, um, you know, you can be sleeping and you can be making money. You can be on vacation and be making money. You could be with spending time with your family and still be making money. But I don't think people really understand what that really means in terms of the application part. So I think we understand a lot of us Potentially understand what it means, but do we understand truly the application part of things, right? And this is where understanding credit, because a lot of us have terrible credit scores, large amounts of debt. If you have large amounts of consumer debt and terrible credit score, chances are you have no idea what money working for you really, really means. It's something you might say, it's something you might dream of, it's something you might wish for. But in order for things that you wish and dream, to come to reality you have to put work behind it and that's where the education piece is so important because you we we can't just keep on throwing these words in the air and not actually take steps to make it a reality and so what is making money really what does it really mean like making money work for you does it mean hiring people does it mean investing properly what does it truly mean and i think um it's such a it's just a long topic just to talk about what money what it means to make money work for you um but essentially you're really letting your money grow without you really putting too much energy if you ever watch like dragon's den um or or shark tank those guys Those investors, they're making their money work for them. They put money into something, a company, and that company is going to bring them back bigger profits, right? Um, Understanding certain rules, the rule of 72, I talk about the rule of 72 all the time. I talk about it in my, my webinars. When you really understand what the rule of 72 means, you can then start to figure out where you put your money to let the interest rate grow for your benefits and not for the institution's benefits so there's so many layering pieces to this and I think those are the intricacies that we really need to immerse ourselves into because everybody wants their money to work for them and I think we have a general idea of maybe what it means but I don't think we understand the practical parts of it
0: yeah completely and I think a lot of the time money is like actually like a stress factor for people so it's not Mm. something they are comfortable really like opening up and really starting to think about but the educational bit is really important so like your webinar was so inspiring for me because it was really like I said like I there was a few wake-up calls there you have you talked about the rule of study too you talked about credit you talked about yeah good credit score like you talked about so many things so obviously for anyone listening like just sign up for the
1: webinar <laughs> don't really
0: miss it um but also with like, you know, having money work for you and building wealth. Can we talk about the pillars of wealth?
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, I think, you know, myself, including, I just had a really um, bad misconception in terms of understanding what it really means to build wealth. Um, A a lot of people, like I said, including myself, we think of investments. That's the first thing we want to do. But in fact, there's a formula and like you said the pillars that um, you need to lay down first before you get into investments and I would say this because you know you can invest your money but if you're someone who um, is ready to pull out in a couple of months, then it doesn't even make sense to invest um, because you haven't really given it enough time for it to mature. Um, A lot of us think that, you know, you can throw some money into something and then a few months later or maybe a year later, you're going to get this tremendous amount of growth and, you know, all of a sudden you're going to be wealthy and it doesn't really work that way. Um, It takes time to build wealth. You need time, you need Longevity, and you need to learn how to diversify. There's many pieces, and so if um, you're not good with your habitual habits, then chances are, if and especially if you're living paycheck to paycheck, chances are you're going to pull out your investments prematurely, and so then you're not making real growth. And so when we're thinking about building wealth, you want to just like when you're building a house, you want to lay the foundation, and the foundation is the most crucial part of any structure same thing applies when it comes to building wealth and what it means to lay the foundation is really to protect your wealth um, for many different reasons and through insurance so um one our biggest ability to our not our ability but our biggest asset is our ability to to earn income you know god forbid if you lose your job or God forbid you ca- have cancer or you get a stroke or anything of that sort and you can't work anymore, what's going to happen? You're going to have to deplete your assets anyways. Um, and I have a perfect example, actually. I have one of my um, teammates who's on who I'm currently mentoring. When she was 24, she's about 46 now, but she when she was 24, she bought her first home with her OSAP money. Now that's what you call taking other people's money and making wealth work for you. Um, she took someone uh, OSAP money put it into a down payment in the home by the time she graduated she had saved up enough money to pay back OSAP had a nice little portfolio of investments and um she 10 years ago her son got into a really bad car accident and she had to deplete all her assets and now at the age of 46 she's trying to rebuild everything back and we all know that when it comes to wealth time is your biggest uh, it's either your greatest enemy or it's your biggest ally and so when you have less time you have less time to build and so if anything ever happens because like I said it takes time to build wealth but all it takes is one situation in your life for things to come crumbling down and And that's the dangerous part. Um, So it's important for us to protect. And then life insurance. Life insurance is so crucial. I always tell people, if you're building wealth, and a lot of us talk about generational wealth, um, but we don't really understand uh, again, what generational wealth really and truly means generational wealth is the ability to pass on assets generationally and um, one thing that i 've learned is that we are worth more dead than we are alive uh, and what I mean by that is when we pass away there 's a huge process that um, you have to go through to in, in order for your family to inherit your wealth Now, one of two things can happen when somebody passes away either they 're going to pass their debt onto their children or their family or whoever's on the estate um, and the government will ha- wants to do nothing with your debt so that's g- getting passed on easy but when it comes to assets it doesn't get passed on the same way um, let's just say if, you know Ashley died in 2019 and Ashley had a few investment properties and some TFSAs and some RSPs what ends up happening is the government says well family do you want these things well I need you to pay a capital gains taxes. Capital gains is um, the profits that you make on any investments. And so your family has to pay taxes on that. They also have to pay probate fees, which is another fee that you have to um, pay to declare um, your assets, which is usually about 1.5% on every thousand dollars you have. Um, There's also final taxes. So although Ashley died in 2019, her family is still responsible for... um, her taxes and has to close those off there's um final expenses so you know your your funeral costs on average is about twenty thousand dollars on a cheap end and then um don't forget if you have any debt left on your estate the creditors are coming after that and then your your family if your family doesn't have life insurance they're gonna have to sell everything off because regardless if your family has the money or not the government still wants a piece of the pie and that's what life insurance is supposed to do and i always tell people if you don't have life insurance um, and you're building wealth, honestly, it doesn't even make sense to build the wealth, because mm-hmm. you're going to have it for your lifetime, which I don't consider wealth, really. Wealth is something that happens generationally. Riches you can build in one lifetime, but you can't build wealth in one lifetime. So it's so important for us to protect everything we have. And then once we protect it, you want to take care of your debt, because debt is the biggest killer. It It's a lot of interest to, to borrow money you know and so if you have a whole lot of debt like I mentioned earlier liabilities then you're depleting your your assets then we want to take care of an emergency fund ideally you want to have about six months of income saved up god forbid anything happens where you lose your job or you're in a hospital or a pandemic like the one that we're in right now happens you want to make sure you have something to fall onto to because when you don't a lot of us get relying on um, loans and/or deferrals. Like everybody's excited about all the deferrals that they were able to um, go on during COVID. But guess what? It doesn't um, excuse you from not paying your bills. They're just putting that onto the balance that's still there which is accumulating interest and you're actually going to end up paying back more than if you had continued paying your bills Um, and then you want to take into consideration investments now sometimes we can do all four things simultaneously but everybody's situation is different and not everybody has the privilege or the luxury to take care of everything all at one time so we got to take things step by step so it's really dependent on each individual but you definitely want to start with a strong foundation and build from there
0: mm-hmm. yeah thank you for saying that like foundation is key so so it's four things like protection debt management Debt, sorry debt <laughs> debt management, <laughs> emergency funds and investments
1: Yes, absolutely. Cool.
0: I want to bring it back to um, to the life insurance because there was a couple quotes from your webinar that really stuck with me. One you mentioned already, you know, um, that you're worth more uh, dead than alive.
1: Mm-hmm. Another
0: one that was so huge was that I love when you said this, um, you're not building wealth if you're not insured, just stop. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> And another one that really like, you know, struck me too, was that you were mentioning that through your experience, working with young people, more young people are getting sick. Yes. Um, And so when you're talking about life insurance, like you yourself were saying that this is something that for a long time, you're just like, I'm not into it. I don't really believe in it. But like, now we very much speak about it. And I'm so interested. So is there some more that you can talk to us about just like life insurance one on one and how important it really is?
1: Yes, life insurance is crucial. Like you mentioned, I was one of those skeptics. I didn't believe in it. I didn't think in a million years that I would have a life insurance plan. Actually going on to my second one now. So like, I would have never thought that would have been me because I had a. I was so misguided um, and just so ignorant um, and just didn't really understand the value or what it really meant. Um, but it is so important, especially as young people, we need to get um, coverage as healthy as we are, um, because you know anything can change in your your health, and once your health changes, the price of your life becomes more expensive. And we don't realize the value of our life when our, until our health is at is at risk. And um, over the last two three months, I've encountered at least about fifteen to twenty people with some severe health issues. And majority of my clients are min- millennials and younger, right? Um, average is between, you know, 35 and younger are most of my clients. And it's scary to, to know that in the last two, three months, I've encountered almost 20 people who are younger than the ages of 35 with some crazy health issues down from heart attacks. Like I had two people that I knew who died at the age of 33. Both of them died at 33 from a heart attack. I have um, another client, her son had a heart attack at 18, Um, you know, hypertension, diabetes, cancers. And so when your health, like these are things that I think health is another thing that we don't, we neglect a lot in terms of conversation um, because I used to hear these kind of things before, but now where I'm in a position to have to ask people about their health circumstances, I am really seeing the pandemic in just, the health crises that we're facing. And so it's so vital for us to, to get coverage when we're young so we can lock our health in and lock in lower rates because the older you are, the more expensive it comes. And when your health is not in the greatest shape, either it becomes super expensive because now they're putting a higher price on your life or you can get denied all out. And when you get denied all out, remember what we talked about what it means to build wealth and how to pass it on generationally life insurance is the only real way to pass on wealth. And um, you'd be surprised. Like, uh, you know, I always tell people when, when a rich person dies, the family just got richer. When a poor person dies, the fam- family just got poor. So it's up to you what you decide to do and how you want to live your life. Because one thing that's, or two things in life that are guaranteed are taxes and death. And so you know, it's. I think it's pretty selfish when we don't educate ourselves and understand the importance of life insurance, because you're leaving your family with a lot of expenses that should be our responsibility. You know what I mean? And so, it's so important to get ourselves um, looking at these products from a young age. Because if I had known about health insurance, life insurance, all of these things from when I was younger, I would have been on it. And I even think about even my own health from the ages of 19 all the way up to like about 25, I suffered with an ulcer and that ulcer had me bleeding internally for six years. I was almost dead and I was literally working, you know, my little odd end jobs, minimum wage jobs, helping just to survive to be able to maintain 15 to $2,000 a month just for my medications. And I think about it, like in hindsight, I'm like, if my parents had gotten coverage on me for critical illness, that would have been something that would have saved me. And we don't understand, like when it comes to health and wealth, those two pieces are very intertwined with one another. We cannot build wealth if we're not healthy. And so we got to make sure that we take care of ourselves and, um, that's a crucial piece of um having the coverage, so that way, you know, when we're building wealth, we don't end up losing everything. Mm-hmm.
0: No, I think this is so so important, and it's definitely these conversations. Like, I mean, on a more they are on a more serious note, and I think that's sometimes why we kind of like skirt around them. But like you're saying, like these are things that are happening, and they're happening more frequently to people, and it's those things that you're you kind of like you know, it it might not happen to me, but like yeah, live life. You, mm-hmm. you can't prepare for a lot of things. Like I myself am fortunate enough that I have not had any health problems as of yet that have really, you know, thrown me off, have not like let me work. But for my cat's sake, like I've, we've had crazy cat problems, Yeah. and <laughs> I mean, cats also have health insurance, right, so I mean, we, we signed up in, on insurance for one, and I actually had a cat, I know this is a side story, but it still like relates because of this insurance thing, but yeah, I had a cat for 19 years, and he was like totally healthy, no problem, went to that vet maybe like three times, that's all he ever needed, and he passed away a couple years ago, um, grabbed another cat, off the bat, we got insurance for him. Um, he's another breed. And he's been to the vet, like, probably 25 times. And oh, it's wow. Like, just thinking about, you know, like, because I feel like sometimes, too, people, they, they almost feel like insurance is, like, wasting their money, mm-hmm. um, which is something that is so unfortunate because sometimes without that insurance like you are really you can really suffer more and like you're saying it's like you don't want to be building your assets for one thing to just happen out of the blue where you you spent so many years and so much time building this and then it's all lost
1: yeah no for sure honestly that's a great example that you're just using right there because you know it's it's so fun it's not funny but like I actually had um, a friend of mine I got life insurance for him and they were talking about you know his dog passed away and it, the dog just got hit by um hit down by something and you know it was so unexpected and they had to have you know f- the money for the funeral and everything and those are things that I never thought about because I never grew up with a pet before but there's a lot of people who do have pets and it's it's crazy right we don't think about these things and it's yeah. It's, it's, it's another expense that's added and like you said people think of it as like a waste of money but in fact we really got it that's why the conditioning of the mind and the education is so important because even when I got my life insurance policy um, that was before I was an advisor and when I got it one month into it I was thinking about it and I was like mm maybe I should cancel this thing. Like, I don't think it's that important. And then I had to really sit there and tell myself like, are you really going to cancel this? Like, why did you get it in the first place? And I had to like, really condition my mind. Whereas now I'm like, I can't fathom ever trying to cancel my life insurance policy. Like that would be the stupidest thing that I do. And so when it, it really comes down to the conditioning and education. And once you know what you're paying into, then how could you cancel that, right? Yeah. And it's like we think about the things that we spend our money on, like life insurance. If you get a term policy, is extremely cheap. We spend thirty dollars on garbage every single month, you know. Um, and if you can put away two hundred dollars for an investment with a life insurance policy, then why not? Like you know, there's so many different options and so many budgets that we can fit and we really need to start thinking of it as a responsibility and a, an an investment as opposed to just money that we're putting in the garbage. And I think that that's when, you know, we really got to change our mindsets from what, because I think when, when we buy something, we expecting some sort of material that we can tangibly feel and life insurance is not that it's you're literally just putting in money every month and your hope, it, it, it's in its in return for your family, you know, it's mm-hmm. not really necessarily for you. And so you really have to start, I guess, thinking outside the box and really starting to think about what wealth really means. And I'll give you an example, like, I don't know if you know this, but I posted this on my Instagram um, about a month ago, um, Master P, uh, for anybody who doesn't know, he's, he's a famous rapper and, you know, a huge entrepreneur. He actually... Inherited ten thousand dollars from his grandfather's life insurance policy, and that's what he used to build his multi-millionaire empire that he has today. And so, you'd be surprised, you know, when when you teach your children um, the importance of these things and how you can really make your money work for you. When you do inherit something like that, at least you can grow and um, continue to build wealth within the family. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, really important. Okay, yeah, I feel like I could talk about life insurance. (laughs) more, But I'm gonna say that because you you do offer so much more on life insurance in your webinar. And I really want to get people to like, listen to what you're saying and get you get them on these webinars, because there's so much information there. And it's like, again, going back to the mindset. I myself don't have an answer why we've been almost conditioned on like the contrary, not to think about life insurance, not to think about ways that we can safeguard like our future. Actually, another point that, that really kind of hit me when you're talking about it, you're talking about, I think it was one of your clients as well, who, or a friend who you mentioned like insurance to. And I don't think he took that advice and he was working, he got sick and, um, he had some time off, but ultimately, I think it was even after surgery he literally had to go back to work because he could not afford not
1: to it's so funny you mentioned him because i went to go visit him yesterday um and i got to like you know hear even more about his story it was it was actually so painful just you know having to experience watching him go through what he's going through right now um, he was one of the first people that I told, you know, come get some coverage. And he said he was more focused on, you know, building his down payment. And that was my fault at that time, too. Maybe I didn't educate properly. Um, I was just getting involved in this industry. Um, and I never feel like I want to, you know, chase anybody down. So I left it and um, he did uh, diagnose. He was diagnosed with testicular cancer last August. Uh, They did an operation on him uh, to remove something in, I believe it was September, October. He went back for a follow-up in December. um, And they found out that uh, the cancer had come back even stronger and it was attacking his lymph node and uh, he had to go through radiation and chemo therapy. He did his surgery May 1st and ended up right back in work two weeks after because his his long-term disability and EI was done. And now in order for him to survive and have food on the table, he is literally walking around with a big scar, still healing and going to work because he has no choice. And it's, it's, it's sad to see that, you know, like, uh, you just never know. That's one thing that you can't take for granted is your health, mm-hmm. you know. And I think that a lot of us take our, our health for granted until we really are faced with a, a, a situation like that has to make us reevaluate those things. And mm-hmm. um, now, like, for anybody that's close to me, like, I preach it all the time. Like, of course, I can't force anybody to purchase life insurance or anything like that but it's something that I'm seeing very consistently with people who don't have it and when they do get stuck in a situation and what that does to them and their families.
0: 100% like I mean this this definitely hits home for me because I even just think about you know creatives, artists, a lot of the work is you know you're on your feet, you're physically like doing the work, building, creating, making, whatever it is. And it's like, if, if there is a certain, you know, if it's an illness or if it's even like a workplace injury and you're out, like you're out, but what if, mm-hmm. you, but I mean, unless like, yeah, you, you get to a moment where you can, you can do the minimal and you have to kind of get back when you're still healing. I um, yes. think like right now, like painting a lot of murals and just, you know, even mural artists, like there's a lot of toxicity in a lot of the mediums that we're working with in what ways, even these materials, can actually be you know god forbid but an attribute to maybe some sickness down the road so yeah like really thinking critically like the chances are there <laughs>
1: yeah yeah absolutely and there's ways to protect yourself like if you even get critical illness insurance um and still protect the money that you get so like if you got critical illness insurance with a return of premium um rider and an insurance rider is uh, the term rider means add-on um, you can get back every premium dollar that you've put into your policy if you never contract anything. So it acts twofold as a savings account. Even if you don't contract anything, you get back all the money that you put into it. Or if you do co- get something, then you get a payout, which, you know, is another form of, uh, of a, a security, right? So there are different options out there that can work well with um, what you're looking for.
0: Okay. Okay, cool. So I feel like I, I have like maybe one or two more questions. I know we're slowly wrapping up now. Yeah, I'm thinking I know that debt is definitely, you know, a big cloud of a lot of people's heads. Is there any um, advice or tips that you can offer just even for people starting to chip away on their debt or trying to manage it anything that um, can just get them on the right track or some sort of yeah tangible applicable information? If they're not even, you know, doing it already?
1: Yeah, for sure. So this question can kind of be tricky just because, you know, the advice that I give, um, I try to do it generally. So that way it's more like educational purpose because everybody's circumstance is unique. And so I don't want people to take this context and apply it to their situation. And it might be completely something that I didn't even think about. So it's so important um, if you are stuck in a debt situation or you're looking to save or you're looking to invest or protect or whatever you're looking to do, it's either you reach out to myself um, or you can, you know, if you have a trusted advisor, reach out to them and they should be able to help you out. But um, generally speaking, in terms of like uh, just certain habits, like, you know, making sure first, I think it's important to understand the different factors that make up your credit score. One is your payment history. Um, it makes up 35% of your overall credit score. If you have missed payments, um, late payments, that does drastically bring down your credit score. Um, Another factor that makes up your credit score is your um, availability left on your credit. So generally speaking, you shouldn't use more than 30% of whatever is available to you. So if you have a credit card that's $1,000, you shouldn't use more than $300. Because those that factor, your credit utilization um, rate really plays 30% of your overall credit score. So those two pieces right there, we're constantly on missed payments and we're constantly maxing out our credit cards. Are that those two is already making up 65 collectively um, percent of your overall credit? So if you are not using your credit properly, then you know you can see how you can end up with the situation where your credit score is like 600 and lower ideally we want our credit scores to be 750 and above that's the ideal situation to put it in right um the the longevity of a credit card or a loan the longer you've had it the better it is because that makes up 15 percent of your score um, so you know sometimes we open up credit cards max it out, close them up um, that's not a really good practice to to uh, maintain Um, And the last two factors that make up your credit score, which make up, each of them make up 10% is the type of credit um, that you have. So like whether it is, Car loans, uh, things of that sort, mortgages, credit cards, that makes up 10% of your score. Um, So it's important to understand these different factors because once you know what these factors are, then you got to play the game accordingly. And I always tell people that you need to use your credit card on a regular basis. Like every month, you should be using your credit card because in order for your credit to build, you have to have activity on your report. If there's no activity, Then it gets hard for you to build your credit, but you should use your credit card on things that you normally already budget for because then you're not spending money that you're like, oh, I'm gonna get this money a month from now, so I'll pay it then. No, you're literally spending and using just to build your credit score. So if you have already budgeted for groceries, then you should purchase your credit card. I mean, your um, your groceries on a credit card um maybe transportation you can put that stuff on a credit card things that you've already budgeted for put it on a credit card don't even bother using your debit and then you know before the billing cycle uh day is up you want to make sure you pay that and so another habit that you want to make sure you don't um do too often because sometimes we get so scared with debt we're like okay as soon as i use it i'm gonna go and transfer the money right away you want to wait at least two weeks um because when you transfer it right away It doesn't really get calculated in the system um, the way it would if you left it there for two weeks so you want to make sure you pay before but you also want to make sure you don't pay too quickly either there's there's a little formula and a math that kind of goes behind building credit so you want to know the little intricacies and um, I do talk a little bit more about uh, credit and how you build credit in my webinar so if you're interested I'm actually having another webinar on June uh, 27th and the 28th. It's a two-part series again. Um, I think it's so important to attend both sessions. Um, but uh, I will be having those at that time. And if you can, you can also follow me on Instagram or check out my website um, where there are more details uh, on, those, on those webinars.
0: Perfect. Yeah, if you can even just mention your Instagram, your website. Um, I know that you also have like a free monthly newsletter that you provide.
1: Yes. Um, so you can subscribe on my website if you are interested in receiving those newsletters. Um, my website is www.heartpreetgill. Heartpreet is spelled um, My Instagram is heartpreetgill underscore uh same thing with my linkedin um facebook as well so you can check me out on any one of those platforms um and if you ever need to reach out my email also is uh contact at
0: unreal Harvey, thank you so <laughs> much for sharing all this information and i know this is like the tip of the iceberg like you say your webinar is over two days you cover so much more information so i really hope for anyone that's been listening if it resonates like you definitely want to get over there because there's so much more to get educated on
1: thank you so much uh, anya i really appreciate your time and thank you so much for thinking of me and choosing me to be a part of this conversation thank you so
0: much for listening and joining me today on the creative co-podcast If you like what you heard and want more, please leave us a review, subscribe, or connect with me on Instagram at Anya Mjolnichak. All right, friends, till next time. I'll see you soon and stay creative.